ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from Gadigal Land. This is ABC News Daily. As the civilian death toll in Gaza continues to rise, there are growing calls for a ceasefire. But Israel and the United States are rejecting that. But is Israel operating within the rules of war? And is its response a month after the Hamas attack proportionate? Today, President of the US Middle East Project and a former Israeli peace negotiator, Daniel Levy, on why Western nations need to reassess their approach to Israel's bombing and invasion of Gaza. Daniel, you were part of Israel's delegation to peace talks with Palestinians back in the 1990s. Things looked much more positive then. There was a moment of hope, wasn't there? There was, Sam. I think, as one looks back on that, the Palestinians had basically come round to a position of a mini Palestinian state on just 22% of the land. We were really in the heart of the unipolar American moment of the 90s. And it felt like with an American assist, this could be carried over the finishing line. Let's remember, you know, this is the decade in which you saw the massive breakthrough in apartheid South Africa, Rainbow Nation, Mandela out of prison, the big breakthrough in Northern Ireland, Good Friday Agreement. And and this felt like it might be the one with those things. And here we are. 30 years later, things could not be worse. The UN Secretary-General, Antonio Guterres, is troubled by what he's seeing in Gaza. This in nothing, in nothing, should reduce our total rejection for the horrible things that Hamas did the 7th of October. But we need to distinguish. Hamas is one thing, the Palestinian people is another. If we don't make that distinction, I think it's humanity itself that loses meaning. So we're clearly now at a low point. The death toll is unprecedented. 1,200 people were killed in the attack on Israel and more than 10,000 people have been killed in Gaza, according to the health ministry run by Hamas. It is, and I think maybe we just need to start by absorbing the, the, the magnitude of that. I think it's also important because you mentioned the those numbers of casualties on the Palestinian side, including over 4,000 children. And I think it's important to dispel this sense that, well, maybe these figures aren't reliable and, you know, it's a lot less than that. Unfortunately, that is almost certainly not the case. Unfortunately, we've had previous rounds of major escalation, never these kinds of numbers, but whenever that has happened, at the end of hostilities, the numbers that were released by the Gazan Health Ministry, run by Hamas, the numbers released by the Israeli side, and the numbers released by the UN have all been very closely aligned, uh, a deviation of maybe 5% maximum. You have 13,000 UN personnel on the ground who are saying these look accurate. And those Palestinian numbers are ticking up every single day, which, which also speaks to the inability to hide behind the idea that this is proportionate 
and to be honest, to hide behind the idea that this can go on, that this has to end. Well, you mentioned the word proportionate, and let's talk about that a bit more in a moment. Israel now says its troops are at the heart of Gaza City as they try to root out these Hamas terrorists. The Israeli Defence Minister, Yoav Gallant, has been characterising Gaza itself as a base for terrorism. Gaza is the biggest terror base ever built by mankind. This whole city is one big terror base. Underground, kilometres of tunnels that connect to hospitals and schools connect to each other in order to act as a basis of terror from which they can hurt the citizens of Israel and IDF soldiers. Well, citizens are still fleeing from the north to the south, and the US has said that Israel has agreed to safe passage for a few hours every day. Well, this is the thing. There is no safe passage. There have been multiple incidents of Palestinians who have heeded this call, but there have been multiple incidents of Palestinian civilians being killed en route to the supposed safety of the South, but the South is also being bombed. So there's nowhere that's actually safe in Gaza, not the routes for escape, not the places they're escaping to, not the places they're taking shelter in. Mm, Well, let's return to that concept of proportionality. Israel says this is its right to self-defence because Hamas terrorists started this with their brutal attack on October the 7th in the most horrifying of circumstances. Regardless of who stands with Israel, Israel will fight until this battle is won and Israel will prevail. I'm telling you right and Western governments, including, of course, our own, Australia, says they support that right to self-defence. Israel has the right, and I would add, responsibility to respond to the slaughter of their people. And we will ensure Israel has what it needs to defend itself against these terrorists. That's a guarantee. How Israel defends itself matters. Uh, And when we affirm Israel's right to defend itself, what we we are also saying is Israel uh, uh, must comply uh, and observe international humanitarian law. Now we know Hamas is a terrorist... Tell me, what is legitimate self-defence? So this is very important. We have to acknowledge that... October 6th, the day before this, was a pretty normal day if you were Israeli. October 6th was a day of occupation, denial of freedom and rights, statelessness, unpredictability, life under a brutal, structurally violent regime if you were Palestinian. Palestinians have a right to resist military occupation. They do not have a right to do that in ways that violate international law. And I think there can be no doubt that there have been attacks on civilians in the past. And the severity of the attack on Israeli civilians was in violation of that law. Now, Israel has the right to self-defense, and that is an important principle. But that principle accords you the right to self-defense within the rules of Geneva Conventions of international legality in a time of war enacting in self-defense. But when you look at 4,000 children dead, when the Secretary General of the United Nations is calling Gaza a graveyard for children, the claim that 
this is proportional. This isn't self-defense. That Hamas hides among civilians and therefore it's okay. No, you still have a responsibility. And you have not lived up to that responsibility. And so I, I think the ability to say, no, we must be allowed to continue this military mission is not something that the West should be willing to uphold. And under these circumstances, and let's, you know, just be honest with ourselves, the West, unfortunately, is isolated now. Just on that point that Hamas is endangering civilian lives, that's Israel's point, that they're using them as human shields. That's right, isn't it? It is endangering civilians. I'm afraid I don't accept that. It is not good enough to hide behind that excuse because you are bombing indiscriminately. And you are doing so from a position of such military superiority. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, he's absolutely rejected calls for a ceasefire while more than 200 hostages are still being held in Gaza. Would things change if the hostages were released? I think they would. I think the hostages would get out and then Israel would continue the bombing. And then the people who are working to get a mediated outcome to this would have absolutely no leverage, which is shocking. Because, of course, the civilians being held who are hostages are, should not be used as leverage. That would be the outcome. Unfortunately, Prime Minister Netanyahu is not really being pushed towards a ceasefire. The Americans have asked for these limited pauses, perhaps now at slightly longer duration, to get prisoner releases. And that's the reality of it. Hamas could say, we will release the prisoners if Israel raises the white flag and allows all the refugees to return to their original homes in southern Israel. That's not going to happen either. So in such a situation, what you need is a mediated outcome where both sides stand down from their maximalist positions. And that can allow for the prisoners, the hostages to come out every day that this goes on. By the way, their lives are endangered more as well. And of course, the US Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, backs Israel's rejection of a ceasefire. Those calling for an immediate ceasefire have an obligation to explain how to address the unacceptable result it would likely bring about. Hamas left in place with more than 200 hostages with the capacity and stated intent to repeat October 7th again and again and again. What are the risks of a ceasefire for Israel? Would it enable Hamas to attack Israel again? As long as the root causes of this conflict are not addressed, as long as Palestinians are people who collectively are living without their rights, there will not be security for Israel. That just doesn't happen in this world. The longer this goes on, it's not going to just be about Gaza. We already see in the broader Palestinian expanse, things are deteriorating in the West Bank. 160 plus Palestinians have been killed there. Thousands have been arrested. This could get much nastier. We haven't seen things explode in East Jerusalem and in the holy sites yet. And of course, we are in a regional conflagration, but it hasn't reached a height yet. You don't have a full-scale war between Israel and Hezbollah. You don't have a war between America and Iran. But without getting too doomsday, 
there's no guarantee that that's the path we won't go down. That is a serious danger as long as this crisis continues and until we get to grips with the Gaza ceasefire, those dangers hold, which is why I think we probably are closer to a more serious American effort, but it's happening way too slowly. Daniel, let's return to that term, proportionate response. The US and its allies say they support Israel's right to a proportionate response. So what actually is a proportionate response? I I would ask those who have stood by and allowed this level of killing and destruction to happen that question. I can't answer that question for them. If this doesn't lead people to step in and say, enough, you've overstepped the bounds, you've proved you're incapable of working within international law, we cannot allow this to continue, then I don't know what does. So I'm not the person to ask that question. For now, at the height of this war, what is the responsibility of the United States and Australia? It's very important not to lose sight of the pain that is felt in Israel as a consequence of October 7th. Wrapping one's arms around Israel as an ally is not a bad place to be. In the act of wrapping one's arms around Israel, you encourage Israel to think Palestinians can be crushed, that this kind of devastation is going to bring it to security, that it's okay to pretend this will end well when you are engaging in this kind of wanton devastation, then I don't think you're being a friend. Daniel Levy is the president of the US Middle East Project and a former Israeli peace negotiator. This episode was produced by Nell Whitehead, Anna John and Sam Dunn, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is David Cody. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening.